Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. You know, I often think that James Patterson doesn't really know where he's going with his stories as he's writing them. He's just kind of, you know, flying by the seat of his pants. <laughs> Not a lot flying. of prep. <laughs> not a lot of preparation and apparently not a lot of research at all beforehand i only say this because apparently he thinks that if you google something too many times your entire computer will die and shut down um as someone who writes the amount of times that i have googled the same thing over and over again because I need to look back up the article that I read that I thought I internalized, but turns out I didn't, is insane. I Google probably 80 things a day. I've never once made my computer shut down from Googling things too much. I know 2006 was a different time. But honestly, I think this is a little ridiculous. I think it just goes to show that James Patterson really doesn't put a lot of thought or research into the things he writes. <laughs> James Patterson has some leftover trauma from that time that he Googled <laughs> the best chemicals to break down a corpse with. And then the FBI swatted his house. <laughs> So he thinks that, you know, if you Google things too many times, bad things will happen. Yeah. I just, like, I also have to laugh at them going in there with, like, no idea what they were looking for and just typing in the Institute, like, a bunch of times. Oh, by the way, I looked up the Institute for Higher Living in New York um, just to see if any search results would come up, and there were at least 47. Not shocking. It sounds like something that would be used by a cult. Or like a yoga studio or something like that. As I said, a cult. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Uh, My name is Sarah. I'm Emmy. Uh, It's 2021. And we're reading (laughs) Maximum Ride, The Angel Experiment. I can't wait until it becomes 2022 and we're like fucking reading Divergent. And I get just to slip in there. What year is it? It's important. It's like my catchphrase. It's your catchphrase? Yeah. What year is it? (laughs) It's my catchphrase. You need a better catchphrase. I do ask what year is it quite often while we're while we're reading and recording and stuff. Not just because of like the the episode like the name of the podcast or what it used to be named, but because I just like whatever they're writing doesn't make sense. (laughs) So I'm like, what year is it? You know, I say it a lot. I thought your catchphrase was. (laughs) (laughs) That is another good one. My other catchphrase, I think, would just be what? (laughs) (laughs) Or um, alternatively, God damn it, Lucy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there it is. She is five inches away from my laptop right now, just waiting for us to get to a really intense conversation. Five inches away from love. 
Well, uh, is there anything you wanted to say before we get started? Big booty bitches get big booty stitches. Chapter 76. <laughs> the flock wakes up the next day and enjoys Central Park, but they're quickly spotted and chased down by some erasers. They run away, realizing there are eight erasers after them. Um, My only note on this chapter was, every time they compare the flock's physical traits to anything, it's specifically to a grown man. I'm going to choose for that grown man to be Mark Zuckerberg. So just every <laughs> time I'm comparing their physical traits to Mark Zuckerberg. I would like to posit that we control F through this book. And every time they compare um, their physical strength or their speed or whatever to grown men, we replace it with Simone Biles. <laughs> Because then it would be impressive. <laughs> like, just hearing, like, faster than a grown man. Like, I'm married to a grown man. He doesn't run that fast. Stronger than a grown man. You're you're married to a grown man. <laughs> he is stronger than he is fast. But a little twiggy. <laughs> but he is a little twiggy. Twiggy like Iggy. <laughs> oh, my God. Chapter 77, the flock takes cover with a bunch of school children going into the Central Park Zoo. The erasers are stopped by a cop and Max says, go boys in blue because reasons. And the flock decides to enjoy the zoo for a while. Now, I would like to make one thing clear. Um, a cab. Anyway. <laughs> it's funny to me when I... When I think about it, because cops stopped wearing blue like a decade ago and it's been shifting to tactical gear in black. Mm -hmm. So boys in blue hasn't made sense for a while <laughs> because of the transition to black tactical gear. Yeah, it made sense at the time, though, I guess. It still doesn't make sense. Yeah. <sighs> Chapter 78. <laughs> Uh, they look at polar bears and stuff, and Max explains that they haven't ever seen these animals in person before. No shit. <laughs> like, really? You, I'm so I surprised. Thought when, you, when you started the chapter by saying, we've never been to the zoo before. <laughs> I just assumed that, I mean, you of course had seen polar bears anyways. Uh, naturally, who doesn't in this great American wilderness of ours just walk outside their back door and occasionally see a polar bear? I know I saw one this morning. I saw two yesterday. I saw a megalodon. Oh my goodness. Are they in season right now? Yeah. <laughs> Before they, they migrate up north <laughs> the increasing the levels of great white sharks have kind of uh really spurred their populations <clears throat> forward because there's just more food for them to eat yeah <laughs> it's like cannibalism but it's not it's not exactly <laughs> great white shark <laughs> just cousins anyways 
Max feels another brain breakage coming on and covers it up by mm. telling Fang that she wishes the animals could be free, which leads him to explain that they can no longer survive on their own. Max can't hide her head hurty anymore, and they run away. Do you think that's and supposed to be symbolic? I don't know. Um, it does. It does seem like it's a slightly heavy-handed bit of symbolism about them not knowing how to be free. Uh, at the same time, I'm like Fang. You kind of missed. You kind of missed your point. <laughs> She's not talking about just letting them loose. Because he's like, you can't just let them loose in Manhattan. She just wishes they hadn't been caged up to begin with. Yeah. So the ones that are being, that are kept in, for the sake of conservation is a different story. Because they literally, their entire species can't survive on its own anymore. But honestly, like... At this point, most of, like, the really popular zoo animals, that's the case. Like, lions and rhinos and polar bears. Like, all of the zoo animals that you go to see are, like, endangered. So they're there for conservation purposes. Conversation? But, like, the... It's... I don't know. I don't like equating the flock to zoo animals because... The zoo animals have caretakers who, like, want to see them thrive. And zoos survive almost exclusively on charitable donations and gift shop money. And like, they... <laughs> the, the flock has higher level thinking capabilities. Oh, yeah. The flock is also <laughs> sentient. Yeah. Like... Uh, uh... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Generally, the the biggest obstacle to them surviving on their own isn't they literally can't survive on their own. It's the fact that there's groups of people trying to kill them, trying to kill them. And we live in a society. (laughs) If, If they were free to just like go about and forage and hunt without worrying about modern day society. They'd be fine on their own. Yeah. <laughs> the, equi- the, the the it doesn't work. It doesn't. It's a really really bad analogy, but you, but like I give him props for trying to find like a deeper meaning in this scene because it was quite silly. He he tried. He tried so hard. He didn't get far, and it still didn't matter. <laughs> Chapter 79. They wander around talking about how they fit in amongst all the other weird people in New York City. Then Nudge sees a stand selling snish and asks what it is, as well as sauerkraut. Then they all get burritos, and Max smells cookies and heads for them. Max knows what knish is. And sauerkraut. I just, no, no. I feel like James 
I feel like Jimmy, um, if I may, uh, forgot about, like, he just dropped the plot line about them not knowing anything about the outside world. It's not even excusable anymore. Yeah. Like, the whole, like, I don't know what a burger is thing kind of fell out the window when, like, two chapters later, they got kebabs and they knew what kebabs were. If they, if they really didn't know what foods were, they would have said meat sticks. I lived in New York City for two years. And I couldn't tell you what a knish was, aside from the fact that it's Jewish. Well, if we have any Jewish listeners who would like to tell us what a knish is, hit us up at uh, literarymasterspod at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read it. Also, uh, having lived in New York for two years, yeah, you see some weird people in New York, but it's generally not so common that you're just like wow, I am literally surrounded by weird people. Yeah, it's like I, mostly normal people and everyone just ignores the weird people. Even I, having only been there a couple of times, am like, this is a fantastical version of what New York City is. And I know it's for like young teenagers, this book. So like maybe it's just to like keep their whimsy up about the world. But it's just not real, James Patterson. It's not Jimmy. Real. Jimbo? Maybe New York City was different in 2006, but not that different because I also was going to New York City in 2006 and around that time and wasn't wasn't that different except for the fact that Times Square could survive along with Toys R Us in it. Um, <laughs> chapter oh, 80. Chapter, chapter 12. They, they get tired of walking around so much. And decide to sit down. Then Max spots a library and decides to look the institute up in there. You had a note. When they're walking in, Max starts leading him into the library. And Fang just, or is it Fang that looks at Iggy? Iggy Iggy quote unquote looks at Fang. Yeah. And it's just like. How does Max do that? Out of nowhere. There's no context to this. There's okay. not a specific action that stands out that was taken or words that were said. And it's not referenced. So, for context, Max, Iggy is like, what are we doing? What are we going to do? And Max is like, um, I don't know. And then she just sees a library and she's like, oh, we'll go in there. We'll see if we can figure it out. And so then as she starts walking up, Nudge, the gas man, and Angel just follow immediately behind her without question into the library. So the reason that I give all of those details is because when I saw your note, I had, I, I, was, I tried, I tried to answer your question. Uh, it's one of two options. Either he's wondering how Max manages to come up with very simple solutions that the rest of them don't see, such as going to the library. Or how she gets the three youngest kids to follow her, like, no matter what. Either way, it is very dumb of him to ask. Because the solution to, how are we going to find out about this place? Oh, let's go to a library, is very easy. Not to mention they were on the same block as a library. Which I know Iggy technically doesn't know. But if someone explained that to him, he'd probably be like, oh, that's not that smart. Like, you just saw the library and knew to go there. And... To be clear, you gave more context with your opening bit there than the actual book has in it. For it, like, that is... 
a summary of the situation they're in in the chapter that is not laid out plainly in the in the writing itself. Yeah. That is what happens, but it's not stated in that way or that clearly. So it's just It's left go you're left wondering like what does he mean? What could he possibly be talking about? I I think it's this it's I think he means how does she find the solutions? Purely because it's Iggy asking and he can't necessarily see that the three younger kids are following after her immediately. So I think he's just like, oh, how does she always like know what to do? It's like Iggy. Max, she's, Max is so smart doing the thing that is common sense. Yeah, of course. Chapter 81. Uh, the flock is directed to the computer room on the fourth floor of the library where they are able to access the capital N, net. Uh, they search for a while but can't find anything. Must not have been using their favorite search engine. Uh, Max breaks the computer by searching too many times, and then they leave. That's not how computers... It's not... Uh, to clarify, it's not just that it, like, shuts down because they search too many times. Because in that instance, I could be like, okay, they never closed a fucking tab, overloaded <laughs> the memory... And shut down the computer. And it's like a shitty library computer. Yeah, from 2006. But no, it just pops up with a bunch with uh, search failed, running across the screen in yellow letters. Yeah. Repeatedly. You mean and that then doesn't happen down. when you Google something weird? I'm like, that's no, no what? Not to mention, like, <laughs> she's just googling. The Institute. Why does the computer freak out about that? Is it maybe, maybe, and I will get, I don't believe that this is true because it's not brought up at all later. Maybe the Institute, like, did that. Like, he, they did saw it. that someone was Googling the Institute, like, a million times, and they were like, oh, no, somebody's on to us. Did it? Did they? Look, I'm. I, it's just, it's a, it's a headcanon of mine. There's a lot of <laughs> institutes. There are a lot of institutes. There are a lot of institutes of higher living, which we haven't even gotten to the part where that's revealed. So, spoiler alert. Spoiled. I know. I'm sorry. Chapter eighty-two. They decide to take the subway back to Central Park. Because the kids are tired. The young kids. But notice people are in the actual tunnel before the train comes. So they head off to investigate. Um, don't do this. Yeah, don't just like go into subway tunnels. Especially if you're 14. No recommend. No bueno. Uh, yeah. Chapter 83. They head into the tunnel and avoid being electrocuted by the rail. And being run over by the train by plastering themselves against the wall. Uh, further down, they find an open area where a bunch of homeless people live. A woman seems to take payment from them via food. And then offers them a ledge to sleep on. Um, my only question in this section is... How the fuck... Does Fang know what the track voltage is? 
because Gazzy looks at a sign that says high voltage. He's like, what's that? And Fang's like, that means that if you step on, if you, if you touch the third rail, you'll have 7,000 volts of electricity run through your body and scorch you to ash. I'm like, what the fuck, Fang? Where did you pull uh, that information from? He loves trains. But not That's burgers. also a meme from 2006. I like what? trains. You don't know? you. You're not familiar with... I like trains. No. That's probably not actually from 2006. It's from the ASDF movies. These, like, very old, like, short format videos where it's, like, a bunch of, like, little tiny vignettes of jokes. Um, And one of the recurring themes is this guy shows up and he's like, I like trains. And then a train comes and runs someone over. And then, like, they weave that into the storyline of the thing. And so, at one point, there's, like, this recurring turtle. And this guy comes in and he's like, I like trains. And you think the turtle is going to get run over by the train. I like turtles. I like turtles. (laughs) I like trains. Chapter 84. (laughs) Max gets another headache while she's asleep, which Fang, try- which Fang tries to get her out of, but it's to no avail. Then someone asks who's messing with his Mac. That's the whole chapter. Chapter 85. The guy with the Mac has been having... Oh, by the way, um, this is like weird, and I don't really like it. Every time Max gets a headache, she talks about wanting to die. And like talks about like jumping off of a cliff or off of a building and stuff. And that doesn't vibe well with me. Um, it kind of, and I, I know that I'm probably going to read too deeply into this, but presenting just dying as a solution to the really hard problems in your life, not great when you're dealing with kids. You know, I hadn't even really paid attention, but that's probably because I'm so used to getting migraines and just being like, I would like to die now. (laughs) No, no, listen. I also have that thought pretty often when I get migraines. I'm like, man, I am vomiting and dizzy and disoriented and hot. And I would really like it if I could just pass out and never have to wake up again. But I also am not like the main character of a children's novel. Yeah, no, I just didn't really think of it. I didn't pay much attention. But yeah, probably best not to do that every single time. Yeah. <laughs> She's in pain. Which so far is lots. It's lots. <laughs> anyway, chapter 85. Uh, the guy with the Mac has been having a bunch of weird stuff show up on his screen, which he is some fucking how able to track to Max. He shows her the screen and she's shocked to see it covered with the images from inside her brain. I need them to cuss. They won't. I think Max says ass in the next book. Damn it, I did not mark the page. There, This is, like, actually a longer chapter, and by longer chapter, I mean, like, four pages. Mm-hmm. And every few sentences, somebody uses shorthand or a filler word for cussing. And most of the time, it isn't good either. Like, 
the kid with the Mac keeps calling them dipsticks. Yeah, and Ari called that jerk in California a dipstick. Nobody Do you remember? calls people a dipstick. I've heard the term used, but nobody does that. I it's I, it's not a wide enough used term, and I feel like it's a little antiquated, even for two thousand and six. Especially because it's like, dude, these are like real adults and villains that you're dealing with. Just swear. My personal favorite young adult novels all have people cussing realistically. It's not like, it's not like flooded with fucks and bitches, but like sometimes people cuss, especially when you're like a bunch of teenagers and you're dealing with an adult. Actually, no, she says that he's like a teenager. But he's like a homeless teenager who thinks that they're like hacking into his one and only possession and ruining it. So like, I don't know. I think he'd probably swear, personally speaking. Oh, he'd definitely swear. They would definitely swear. The line (laughs) where he's like, I tracked the interface and it led right to you is so cringy. It's like... It's mid-2000s hacker lingo that's, like, fake and stupid, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, if he was like, oh, I'm picking up a, like, a terrible, like, radio signal, or, like, something, like, something actually picking up a signal from someone, and I traced it over here, so do you have a computer or whatever? Then that would make a little more sense. But he's like, I tracked the interface, and I traced it right to you. Made me want to I vomit. found your I found your brain chips IP address <laughs> in the subway. Oh my god. Yeah, it just really gets me. Anyway. Chapter 86. Yes. Max begins hearing a voice speak to her in her head while words and images flash across the hacker's computer screen, including the name of the Institute. The Institute for Higher Living. Which, again, is a very generic name. I want to go to the Institute for Higher Living, where everyone just 420 blazes it all day, (laughs) every day. We love that. Chapter 87. Yes. The hacker kid reveals that he got into MIT early but was kicked out for refusing to take his medication for schizophrenia. When Max and Fang ask him for too much personal info, he freaks out and runs off. Max and Fang discuss what could be causing her weird interference shit. So, the schizophrenia thing. I am not a doctor. (laughs) I do know a bit about schizophrenia, uh, and typically speaking, symptoms, and this is typically, it is not in every single case, typically speaking, symptoms of schizophrenia start to appear when you're in your early 20s. So You can show symptoms in your teens, but that's not common. It's not common at all. Also, schizophrenia does not make you inherently violent, paranoid, or rude to people. Also, I don't want to read too far into this because it is just really stupid. 
Um, I, I want to believe that, that James Patterson, old Jimbo, does not have a generally negative opinion of people with schizophrenia, but that he doesn't understand schizophrenia, and he used it as a buzzword to make this guy seem weird. And I choose to believe that he's trying to draw attention to the fact that most people living in homelessness are just people in need of mental or physical health aid. You're right. See, what but you just said poorly. is true, but I don't <laughs> think that that was old Jimbo's but strategy I want it to be. here. You want it to be. You really do. Headcanon. We've got two options. Either he's trying to draw attention to the plight of homeless people and their mental health struggles in this country, or he doesn't know what schizophrenia is and is just using it as a buzzword because he knows that schizophrenic people act crazy. Third option is he just hates people with mental illness. If we ignore his track record and tendency to not understand anything, option one is definitely viable. Yeah. Probably not option one. <laughs> uh, chapter 88. The flock wakes up still super tired. They buy some honey roasted peanuts, which is a recurring theme now, um, and try to figure out how to find the Institute now that they know its full name. Max dials 411, but it doesn't work. Suddenly some, which by the way, so she dials 411 and she's like, in New York City, the Institute for Higher Living. And the lady is like, uh, no place exists with that name. And that's what drew me to, like, look this up and be like, if I call 411 right now, which I don't think still exists, but if it does, and I call 411 right now, and I'm like, New York City, the Institute for Higher Living, they'd probably be like, there are 34 locations with that name. <laughs> like, it's it's a very, very generic name. It's It's very funny that when she dials the phone and she's like, uh, in New York City, the Institute for Higher Living, and she's like, no locations exist with that name. I'm just like, I'm sh I'm fucking sure that there are. I'm positive. It's like when you go on Google Maps and you look up like Papa John's Pizza, and yeah. it's like, here's Papa Murphy's Pizza and Papa Jahone's Pizza and <laughs> Baba John's Pizza. Baba John's. <laughs> Where your Serbian grandmother goes to serve pizza. <laughs> Babushka Johns. I, I just found it very funny. It's like, it's, I think it's more akin to like, if you enter your home address into Google Maps, it, you're not only going to find your address, you're going to find every location in the United States, well, I'm sure all over the world, that exists with that same address. With that uh, number and street name. Yes. If obviously, you if you thing, put in your, your full home address, that's not going to work. But, like, if you just put in, like, I don't know, 6622 Merwin Avenue, which I just doxed my home address from when I was five, so... Don't go there. I don't live there anymore. Nobody else lives there anymore either. <laughs> but if you just type that in, you're going to get a lot of results. You know? Some of them might be right. Some of them won't be. <laughs> um, 
Suddenly, some TV screens in a store window display cryptic messages for Max. The voice in her head tells her to get on a bus and get off when things look fun. Because this voice in her head is an asshole. Please speak to me, head voice. The best part of this is I know what the deal is with the voice because I've obviously read these books before. But I don't remember wondering what the deal with the voice was. Like, I don't remember how it felt to not know. And I'm very curious as to what your thought process is. I have very little thought process on it, honestly. Understood, understood. Because um, it's very clearly a mystery that's not meant to be solved. Because he goes out of his way to make it so it's unidentifiable. Because he's like, she's like, it doesn't have an actual sound to it. Yeah. It's just like, the way she said it, it's like, I guess her own voice saying the words, but it's not her. Yes. It's I mean, it's like when, when you quote unquote hear voices inside of your head a lot of the times they're just like indescribable because it's literally you're just imagining the words being said you're not necessarily imagining a specific voice saying them you know like i think my thoughts sound like me but sometimes if i'm like uh i don't know imagining a scene that i want to write the thoughts aren't really going to have a specific voice it's just it's just words 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 so yeah, no, I just, I'm like, I don't know, might be Jeb. Something. Don't really care. I yeah. don't like, I, he's, he's made the effort to not give info away. So I'm just like, uh. Yeah. I think something that we'll start to notice more and more is that it's not so much that there are mysteries built into the story. It's more that there are just things we don't understand that are built into the story that are later explained. Like yeah. the whole, it's a test thing. Like. Because we have no context and because he just keeps saying it's a test with absolutely no explanation, it's not like we are given the avenue to solve what that mystery is. It's basically just a waiting game until he decides to explain. Thanks, James Patterson. Anyway, uh, at chapter 89... (laughs) Max decides to listen to the voice, and Fang explains the voice's existence to the rest of the group. They get on a bus and get off when things look fun, quote-unquote, a.k.a. at an FAO Schwartz. I mean, at an AFO Schmidt toy store. If you don't know, if not just you, if anyone doesn't know, FAO Schwartz is an incredibly famous, very old toy company whose stores mostly went out of business back in the late 90s, but I think there's still one that exists, like, specifically in New York City. But instead of saying F.A.O. Schwartz, James Patterson wrote A.F.O. Schmidt. So. F.O. Schmidt! I have a bear from F.A.O. Schwartz that was a gift from one of my old managers, because she used to work for F.A.O. Schwartz back in the 90s. Fun facts. Fun facts. Chapter 90. They go into this toy store and split up, with the boys going to look at Bionicles and Legos, while the girls look at stuffed animals, because gender roles. Of course. 
Angel wants an Angel teddy bear. Uh, and gets bratty when Max doesn't have the money, which confuses Max because she's like, this is not how Angel normally acts. Yeah. Then Max gets distracted by a Ouija board that moves on its own and tells her to save the world. Forget uh, about she that. She inspects it. There's, there's, there's no magnet on it or like electronic connection. Please forget about that ever happening because it won't come up again. Like, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm going to, like, explain a little bit. Things will be explained about the signals, like, the TV stuff, the interference, stuff like that. They will not explain the Ouija board. (laughs) It may as well have not fucking happened. It was a weird choice to begin with. I know. Now it's weirder. Yeah, especially because why would FAO Schwartz have a fucking Ouija board? It's like, when you think of FAO Schwartz, I want you to think of the most classical example of a toy store. You know, like giant stuffed animals. Um, Like, she described the window as, like, having a big old teddy bear and a big toy soldier and a big ballerina. That's the shit you're going to find in there. You're going to find music boxes. You're going to find dolls. And I don't know if they're going to have Legos, but they're not going to have Ouija boards. What is this? A Spencer's Gifts? I would like to see the flock go into a Spencer's Gifts. (laughs) Iggy just pulls up a uh, corset and is just like, what's this? (laughs) Oh, Fang can, pulls a massive rubbery it? dildo off the shelf and he's like, what is this for? <laughs> uh, Mark Wahlberg comes up and pokes it. <laughs> because he's there. Who? What character is Mark Wahlberg playing? Mark Wahlberg is Nudge. Oh, right, I forgot! <laughs> oh, man, he's playing his role so well. <laughs> oh god okay so chapter 91 yes. they all decide to leave and they don't see angel but then they find her with an old woman who ends up buying her the toy angel reveals that she asked the woman to do it for her with her mind so this is the first insidious hints that we get about angel and like who she turns out to be Not an angel? Uh, you know. I mean, it's like her character develops. It's not like you find out that she's secretly a demon or anything. She's Sorry, a demon. Sorry, spoilers. She is not actually a demon. Aww. I know. I'm the worst. I thought we were going to go the, the aliens or demons route and the world is going to end because it's invaded by alien demons and um, angels, one of their offspring. Emmy, I hate to break it to you. This was not produced by Studio Trigger. So we do not have to expect deus ex aliens in the final parts of act four. Um, but it does get really weird. How does this story play out? Who wrote it? studio trigger it's aliens it's aliens i've only ever seen never mind 
I was going to say I've only ever seen one of their shows that didn't have aliens, but then I remembered that that there were aliens. Actually, I don't know if th- there might be one that doesn't have aliens. I'll have to look it up later and I'll let you know. But I just go based on the fact that there are aliens. Always Kiss aliens. Kiss might not have aliens. What? Kiss Niver. That's what I was thinking about. It, does I don't Keys think Niver it had aliens. Have- well, I didn't want to spoil any of the... I didn't want to spoil Keysniver for the, our listeners, just in case. In case anyone's doing that deep dive yeah. on burger shows. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm pretty sure that one's like at the bottom of the list of burger shows people would watch. It's which so I liked good. It. I know. It's I love so it. It's so good. It's just not one of the well-known burger shows. It kind of just went under yeah. the radar for some reason. <laughs> I would love for someone to put together like a spreadsheet of all of the pop culture references that we make on this show. Because all I know I- is that the first few episodes ever had a large prevalence of me making Fire Emblem Free Houses references. Yes, because you had just played the game. <laughs> um, so chapter 92 the group deduces that Angel influenced the woman with her mind. Side note, Angel doesn't know the word influenced, but does decide to name her bear Celeste. Which is another name for an angel. Which I guess she just knows for some reason. I'm sorry, are you are you attempting to logic a James Patterson young adult novel i you know what i shouldn't you're right max's voice says that it doesn't want to hurt her and max is annoyed by it chapter 93 max has a little freak out while she argues with the voice in her head when the group is attacked by erasers again again um if you wonder is there ever more than a few chapters at a time where they aren't attacked by erasers? The answer is no. No, not, there is not. Not so far. Every few chapters. It's just, a Out of nowhere. Where do they come from? Where did they go? Where do they come from? Eraser I Joe. Please continue. Chapter 94. Max tries to escape from the eraser, but can't do any damage to him. Eventually, he just collapses, dying inexplicably, and drops her. We find out he's five, because Fang checks the marking that they put on him for when he was born. Uh, And then Fang screams, screams about him being a crazy drug addict, so that they can disappear into the crowd. Um... And Max sees a taxi sign mentioning small steps. And she looks down at her small steps, which is a really weird stretch I felt in the in the narrative. But I was like, okay. Uh, and she finds a debit card in her name at the base of a tree, just on the side of the street, which is fucking weird. Just, I, the level of planning that would have to go into, like, I don't, I actually don't understand how that happened. Yeah, it was, I remember reading it and I was like, okay, and then this happens and then, and then this, and then that, what? (laughs) 
why? I don't get this. The sequence of events is literally inconceivable, but it happened. Uh, it does. It did happen. Um, this book does play a little bit with the idea of predetermination. I'm not going to get too deep into it because that's a whole can of worms. But, yeah. Predetermine my annoyance with this I narrative. Side note, we have now stigmatized people with mental and illness drug and drug addicts. Yeah, the drug thing, I was like, ooh, that's a choice you made. In case you didn't know, people who are addicted to drugs aren't just, like, crazy people. Unless they're in they're Florida and they're taking bath salts. Well, yeah, that's beside the point. They're just people who need help. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> so the end of the chapter... Uh, the voice tells her that she can use the card if she figures out the password. With no clues. Okay. There's no mystery or clue. No. Or rid it's just, if you can figure out the password, you can use it. Uh, it's not a pin. Which I find... It's a password. Yeah, it is a literal password to use the... I I don't understand. It also is not four digits. Nope. Uh, I. He has changed his own rules for debit cards in this book. This is some weird shit. Oh, yeah. So chapter 95, uh, they go to sleep in a tree in Central Park while discussing the fact that the voice seems to be able to connect to Max's senses and perceive everything she does. Which still does not explain the card ending up exactly where it ended up, where she would find it. Except for the predetermination thing you said. But, like... The... I think... I'm trying to come up with, like, plausible theories that make sense... Without just, like, saying what the voice is. But, like, he's trying to make it pretty clear that the voice is not something inside her. It's something being projected into yeah, her. Yeah, it's an external If influence. that makes sense. Yes. Which is very odd, and he's choosing a very strange way of showing it. Instead of having them be like, okay, so I think that this is actually coming from another person, rather than you just hearing a voice inside your head or having a psychic voice or whatever like that. They're, he's choosing to go about it in just a very odd way. Chapter 96. <laughs> the flocks, the flocks, the flock is flocks made to leave the park. The flock is made to leave the park by some cops, one of which looks like Jeb. Uh, Angel drops her bear and gets really upsetty spaghetti about it. And from here on out, everybody refers to the bear by its first name. Yeah, she was... As though it is a member of this she family. She was very indignant about the bear's name. Uh, yes. Every time, like, immediately after getting it, every time Max tried to call it a toy or... The teddy bear, Angel would talk over her and be like, It's Celeste. Yeah. It's like, okay. Got it. I'm I'm not trying to say that we should stifle children's imagination, but she's like, Wow, this is uh 
some intense dedication here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just the, the fact that one of them looks like Jeb ever become relevant because that comes up a few times? I don't know. Honestly, I don't remember. She, like... It might. She references it a few times, but then at least over the next... Let's see, we read to 102. So, like, eight chapters? It's never relevant. Yeah, no, it never comes up again. I There are a lot of plot things that I think just get dropped. Like, the Ouija board thing just gets dropped. That never gets brought up again. I don't know if the Jeb policeman matters, but, you know, we'll what see. What if? Hear me out on this. What if, instead of just writing shit and then deciding not to do anything with it, James Patterson was actually just trying to leave himself as many openings as he could to then play off of later and just pretended the ones he didn't decide to use didn't exist? You know, it's funny. There was this, like, fan theory for a while on the, on the, on the Maximum Ride forums back in the day because I'm old um that he actually would do this weird stuff um as like a means of testing the waters for fan theories because he didn't want fan theories to come true it's kind of like how um in game of thrones spoiler for game of thrones season eight uh when Arya kills the night king like the writers did that purely because people didn't guess that she would. But I don't know. I th- that was a theory. That was a fan theory. And if that was the case, it's fucking stupid. And that's a terrible way to write. It is. If if people, honestly, I don't find fault with people who write mysteries where you can figure out the ending. Like, honestly, if you if the clues are well laid out enough and the story still feels good while you're reading it, but you just manage to figure out the ending, I think that's a good thing. I've had times where when I was experiencing a mystery story, the twist ending blew my mind. Yeah. And in retrospect made sense. Yeah, for sure. But more often than not, it's that they go for a twist ending, and the twist ending does not make sense given the details Mm -hmm. you had previously. And so it's a cheap twist because it's the entire point is to just make you be wrong. As opposed to laying out a sensible explanation. I feel like James Patterson could take a note from Ryan Johnson, the ineffable creator of Knives Out. Knives Out being one of the best mysteries literally ever written. It's so good. Such a good fucking movie. Oh yeah. I like I it's so good that I will not talk about any of the plot elements of that movie because you have to watch it. If you haven't seen it, you have to watch it and enjoy it all the way through without me there telling you knives. anything about it because it's so And they good. come out. There are knives. There's a big old thing full of knives. <laughs> and it's a, it's a pretty big plot element. But uh... anyway, so chapter 97, the flock runs a lot. Max reminds us that Iggy is blind and they hide in a church. I would like to propose a drinking game. Oh, a God, no. literary master's drinking game. 
and that is drink every time Iggy is blind. <laughs> every time he's blind. I'm just always drinking. <laughs> drink every time Iggy is blind. Drink every time they mention a very specific type of food that they would like to eat that you deem to be more specific than burgers. <laughs> drink every time they say what something is and you're really confused how they know what that is because you don't even know <laughs> what that is. Drink every time they think that something insane is going to happen when, in reality, they are just experiencing normal human existence. Drink every time there's a loose plot thread. <laughs> oh, all of our <laughs> listeners are dead. Oh, no. Uh, but I, I really like Drink Every Time Iggy is Blind. It's my favorite one. Ugh. Chapter 9. They'll get you a few drinks every episode. You just want an excuse to do a few shots every episode. <laughs> you know what? We, from now on, when we're doing... Because I'm sure we leave out plenty of instances of Max oh, saying Oh, I do. I purposely started ignoring it. So, from now on, we have to include it. So, next episode, when we're, like, going over our notes and summaries, I will have a drink and I will take a sip every time Iggy is blind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep a running tracker. Yes. Chapter 98. Uh, the flock is all, and yes, I have decided to call them the flock now because now I, I, I stopped the connection with cringe and it's now connected to flock of seagulls in my mind. And so every time I say the flock, I just hear, and I'll ride, I'll ride <laughs> but uh, the flock is awestruck as they walk into the church and look around. It is St. Uh, Patrick's Cathedral. I think yeah. so. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I don't. I don't remember, but it might be. It's either way. It's a. It's a Catholic cathedral, which is just they're beautiful by nature. That's what the Catholics did right. They did. They did make architecture. <laughs> they did. Uh, Angel leads the way to a pew so everyone can pray, uh, despite the fact that none of them know how to pray. Angel knows how the praying, she knows to go to the pew, pull down the kneeling thing that exists on Catholic church pews, um, and kneel down there. I, you know how I said there's no insidious reveal about Angel? Yeah. I lied. She's actually Catholic. <laughs> I they all love this church and all I could think the entire time was no most of you are young children run far away quickly yes. <laughs> um, Max just continuously talks about how cute Gazzy is oh that poor kid uh, get out of there get out of the catholic church <laughs> please um, but Nudge prays for parents that want her Angel <laughs> prays to get Celeste back Gazzy wants to be stronger to protect everybody. Iggy wants to see and beat the shit out of Jeb. He gets two prayers. We just, the blindness is is a, it's a given. He doesn't really have to pray for yeah. it, but they let him. Uh, Fang wants, we don't know, he's silent. And 
Max just basically wants everyone to get what they want. And, uh, yeah. My only note on this was, God? You mean Celestial Santa Claus? Because that's how they're treating the prayer. I... They're just like, I would like you to give me my teddy bear back. I read your note and was very confused. I was like, I don't remember what that note is supposed to. Why did I write that? Oh, no, that was me. (laughs) You know, what's so funny is like when I first looked at it, too, I was like, oh, that's a funny note that Emily (laughs) left. I wonder what it's about. And then I remembered that when I was reading it, I was like, you guys are literally just making a Christmas list and like. Signed the flock. Uh, could Send I it off to have God. The bionic laser eyes that the eraser tap. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. Chapter ninety nine, where things get dicey. Max is considering whether they should sleep in the cathedral. No. First of all, no. It's a public place. Don't try to sleep in the cathedral. I mean, granted, I say that, and then I also went on a whole rant about how homeless people should be allowed to uh, live in tents under overpasses, but these are two different things. Um, Second, don't sleep in a cathedral. (laughs) Not safe in there. (laughs) Uh, But then she has another vision of a building on 53rd. So they decide to head to that building and check it out. Exciting. Chapter 100. We've made it a hundred chapters into this nonsense. Uh, Max tries out a bunch of different passwords for the bank card at a bunch of different ATMs because apparently only silly gas station ATMs eat your card when you get the password wrong a few times. Then Angel just knows the password is mother for some fucking reason and then they get some money. And the fact that the password is mother is just dumb like oh because she's a mom to them because max is a mom like it's like there's no real mystery to and it's just kind of it's no puzzle it's just weird also it's just angel just knows for some reason they literally do not explain why she knows she's like oh it was just in my head and to be fair um we did have some listeners inform us that uh Okay, I know it was in Europe, but I can't remember which country specifically. It was Steffi. Steffi that said it in Germany. Yeah. It will eat your card if you get it wrong a few times. Yes. I have gotten my pin wrong enough times that the machine just spat the card back out at me. Now, what it will usually do, it will spit the card back out, of, out at you, but... It will also oftentimes lock yeah, the card. You won't be able to like use it, it will contact somebody. Yes. It's why like it, even in this, it like actually makes more sense in this chapter what happens. I mean, granted, the password thing doesn't make any sense. But like what Max does where she tries to put in the password a few times, doesn't know what it is, and it's like, oh, call customer service. Granted, you wouldn't be able to just do that at a bunch of different ATMs. Yeah. It wouldn't work the second time you try, but still. How is she able to repeatedly do this? I was like, why isn't the card locking? Why is it that one ATM eats your card and the other ATMs just 
don't give a fuck and have no actual security measures. I have no idea. I honestly like I if they and here's the thing, I might be able to get over it if it wasn't literally an important plot element earlier in the book. I feel like right now this in these early stages, James Patterson didn't know what to do with Iggy as a character because his whole thing is that he's just blind and best friends with the gas man. So the whole scene earlier where they had to like put the pin in and if you don't do it right, then it's going to eat the card was just so that Iggy could have an important moment. Isn't that adorable? I guess. Chapter 101, they wander for a while before finding the building from Max's vision, but there's no Institute of Higher Living inside. The receptionist is suspicious of them after one of Max's weird messages appears on her computer. They all leave quickly and run away when they think the security guard might be an eraser. Uh, if you're following along at home, take a drink. Because they think that something really insane is about to happen. But in reality, they were just really weird inside a New York office building. And the security guard reacted in kind. <laughs> New York security tends to be jumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, chapter 102, they stop running because no one is following them. Then Gazzy punches a mailbox. A uh, side note, I like to imagine he climbs onto someone's stoop to do this since they are literally in the middle of New York City. Yeah. You don't really have mailboxes. Um, yeah. Unless it's one of those USPS blue, like, round yes. top boxes where you drop the stuff I in. guess he could have punched that, but I mean, like... She didn't describe it as such. She just said that he punched a mailbox. He just walked up to one and of those like big doors with a bunch of mini doors in it. Like, for mini for mailboxes, <laughs> punch each of the little mini doors one time. If this was in like a neighborhood where it was like a row of like townhouses, maybe people would have like a mailbox like on their front porch, like a, like right attached to their their the side of their door you know what i mean although i feel like most people living in that kind of situation would have a mail slot because you don't want your mail to just be like out and about where other people can get in it in new york city in new york city especially if you're you know having anything special delivered to you um maybe gazzy just punches someone's mail slot because he thinks it looks like a mouth that was a stretch it's an idea, okay? Not all of them will be home runs. Um, anyway, uh, Gazzy gets upset and says he wants to sit down and eat, so Max decides to do just that. Stunning cliffhanger. I feel so hung from this cliff. It's, it, it's funny because, like, so the term cliffhanger comes from an actual scene in an actual television show in which the final episode, I believe, ended with a character literally hanging off a cliff. And I I think that the show just, like, ended after that. Like, you never get to know if they, like, get up off that cliff. And so, like, this cliffhanger, in comparison, <laughs> it's quite... What are they um, going to go eat? Yeah. And it's funny because he's like, he gets so upset because they can't figure it out. They don't know where they're supposed to go. They have no idea like what's going on, where they're going, if they're going to be able to find somewhere nice to stay again. Um, and so the gas man gets like really upset and he's like, 
you know, like, I'm so tired of walking around. We don't know where we're going. We can't figure anything out. He's eight years old. So, of course, he's going to be upset by all of this. And then, like, Max is like, okay, what do you want to do? We can do anything you want. And she's like, we could even go check into the Ritz if that's what he wants, which is very funny to think about six children trying to check into the Ritz on $200. It's also very funny um, to think about anyone under the age of 20 trying to check into a hotel on their own. <laughs> um, And so he's like, I want to eat. Like, I want to go sit down somewhere and I want to eat. Like, he had the simplest request that he could possibly have. Not like, I need to sleep in a bed tonight. Not like, I, I want to go home. I want to, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be chased by erasers around New York City, which obviously is, like, not something that they can really choose, yeah. but is also just, like, something that I feel like he might say as an eight-year-old boy throwing a tantrum. He's just like, I'm hungry. It's sad because it's just so, like, mature and depressing. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that he's, like, it's almost like he had the, like, generative thought process in his head where he's, like, where she's, like, what do you want? I'll do anything for you. And he's, like, well, she says she'll do anything for me, but there's really not much that we can do. So, um, I'm hungry. Like, that's the consolation prize he gets for being upset. I'm ready for the upsetty spaghetti. For chapter 103 to start with angel just walking up and punching him in the mouth and being like no we're finding celeste <laughs> this little bitch um well that's the end of our our analysis noise. for this week next week we'll be back finishing the angel experiment very exciting um before we get too far i do want to read a text message that I received from my one of my best friends, Andrea, who does not listen to the show, but she is aware of my Twilight fandom, I suppose. So she texted me, so I'm rewatching the Twilight movies because why not? And I'm sure it's been said, but Anna Kendrick's character saying, aren't people from Arizona supposed to tan is the same exact scene as Amanda Seyfried in Mean Girls saying, if you're from Africa, why are you white? <laughs> why did I know where that was going before you even? <laughs> it just, it, it got me so hard. I was laughing hysterically when she sent me that because somehow, some way, we did not say that when we watched the first Twilight movie. Neither one of us drew that comparison. I'm very proud of her for seeing that. And then she texted me later and said, Baby Boo Boo is the best part of Breaking Dawn Part 1. And in case you forgot, the guy who plays Seth Clearwater is named Boo Boo Stewart. This has been our weekly Twilight Corner in which we just for some reason continue to talk about Twilight. 
Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week finishing up Maximum Ride the Angel Experiment. And then the following week, we will be picking right up with Maximum Ride Schools Out Forever. Um, when we're recording this, this week, actually, our bonus episode is going out. And I'm excited for that. I hope people listen to it because I liked recording it. I mean, other than the screaming. <laughs> the accidental bonus episode. Yes. You even said going in, you were like, this might be a bonus episode. <laughs> Um, follow us on Twitter at, I almost said 2020 Twilight Pod. Follow us on Twitter at LitmastersPod. M is at M of many names. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash LitmastersPod. Send us an email at LiteraryMastersPod at gmail.com. Uh, we are always happy to hear from y'all. We love seeing comments and reminders of, uh, of the fact that you're listening any feedback you have to give us if we're being problematic in some way um if you just want to tell us that we're nice or that you hate us please come in and and shoot us a, a message we have a new coffee goal because i found a really terrible pillow that just says once a bird kid always a bird kid and i really uh i would really like to get it so donate 30 dollars if you've got it if you get it to a hundred dollars we start a second podcast called caged where we review every single nicholas cage movie <laughs> you know what i would love to do a like <laughs> rapid fire like bonus episode where we just watch like three Nicolas Cage movies and have to talk about them all at the same time <laughs> so if you want that please send us an email and let us know uh hashtag cage gate um and we will get on that right away do you have anything else before we go Evan? not the bees <laughs> <laughs>